Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, where today we take your mailbag questions. What is the Knicks' ultimate ceiling if their big three plays like it? Could they somehow get to the conference finals? We'll tell you that and so much more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get Started and we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Uh, maybe you've heard this one before, but we are now available on all platforms, and that includes, and you know this already, if you're seeing our shiny, smiling faces on YouTube. So go check us out on YouTube and be sure to hit that subscribe button. Be sure to hit that notifications bell so you never, ever miss a video from Alex and I. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, gearing up. For high school basketball playoff season, super duper excited for that. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at thestrick.land. And uh, it was about that time, Alex. It had been uh, over a month, which is, 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 is certainly a, a long ways by our standards. So we had to take all your questions, have another mailbag. And the first one comes from, I, I got to say, Mr. Consistent, Ricky Rodriguez coming every single mailbag with a good question straight to our DMs at R underscore Rod 84. If you want to go throw him a follow, I encourage you to. Um, and he wants to know, what is this team ceiling if Randall, Brunson, and Barrett all play at their peak potential and are healthy throughout the playoffs? So, Alex, my mind, when I when I read this question, immediately went to RJ Barrett because I, I think we've pretty much seen Randall and Brunson's peak potential for a lot of this season already. Yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, RJ is sort of the X factor among that group, right? Like uh, Brunson, I think, especially in his pre All Star, uh, uh, my cat is weighing in as he does. Big, uh, <laughs> big, big, big RJ fan. But Brunson in his uh, pre All Star, like All Star snub tour, I feel like we're already sort of seeing like the hundredth percentile outcome of Brunson and. That's not a knock on him. He's like, he's playing like a god lately. I mean, he's been so good. Like, any player that can average like over 30 points a game for a quarter of an NBA season is playing fantastic ball. Um, and so I don't know how much higher he could potentially go. I feel like we're kind of already seeing him reach supernova status. Randall, we've seen at supernova status at different points of the season. Uh, I think he's cooled off a smidge since like maybe his peak around like the, 30 40 game mark but that's not to say that he's i mean the knicks are still demonstrably better with him on the court right now and he's been such a key part to them being able to run the offense the way that they want to for brunson's success in part two because randall's been spacing the floor and you know playing just the super analytically focused brand of ball that he's been doing this year where he's you know uh, uh mostly aiming to get shots at the rim and shots from three and keeping his shot profile really good. So RJ is kind of the one, you know, as far as Ricky's question here, that is the X factor. And like, 
I think the only problem is, is that if you say like with the way that this is phrased, right. If they all play at their peak potential and are healthy, like RJ's peak potential, we've always talked about is basically an all-star, right? Like if he hits his peak, like he's a guy that can get inside pretty much at will that would assume that he starts finishing even better than he is right now. That would assume that his three point shot starts going down consistently. That would assume that he starts looking for guys more consistently, you know, when he gets doubled and, you know, stuff like that. That would also assume that his defense picks up because we've seen that he can play better defense than he has been for quite some time now. Unfortunately, I think all those things are really unlikely <laughs> based off how things have gone this year. You know, he's been so inconsistent and like the shot, especially, you know, the three point shot, it's like he goes three weeks where he's shooting like 45% and another three weeks where he can't throw it in the ocean. The defensive effort especially has not been consistent at all. And that's really concerning. And that like really limits him being able to reach his like potential. So I think that's the main thing that gives me pause here, Gavin. Like I, I find it hard to see a world where that would happen, but if he does magically come out of this all-star break and is playing like an all-star himself, the Knicks have three all-stars in their team in that case. And for that reason, I mean, I feel like there's a chance that if things broke right for them, if RJ's playing like a legitimate all-star with the depth that they have with Hart quickly, Grimes, Mitchell Robinson coming back, like Hartenstein playing as well as he has, like there's no reason that they wouldn't be able to potentially make a run at the Easter conference finals, honestly. But I just don't, I don't see that being super duper likely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. To me, for RJ, just as much as it, as it is about his shooting and defense, it would be about his decision making because we see, we see quarters, we, we see halves, we, we occasionally, on, on very, very rare occasions, see games right where RJ is is not predetermining whether he's going to shoot or pass, and and that's that's kind of like almost ridiculous to say because it's generally always that he's predetermining to shoot, right? Um, and and if RJ is like actually just kind of playing like read and react basketball consistently like that's at least offensively all I've really ever wanted out of the guy like sure it'd be nice if he was more like a 38% three-point shooter than a 33% three-point shooter like sure it'd be nice if he shot 64% at the rim instead of like whatever 57% at the rim but if he just makes good plays like I, I think this offense flows beautifully the biggest issue right now with him is that he doesn't really fit in that well with Brunson or Randall because he's so shoot first on on a team with two other shoot first guys who are just better than him at it so to me that is the best means possible for him to blend in with Brunson and Randall but if you're also talking best case scenario you're talking about someone who put together a whole season of, of shooting 40 percent on spot up threes and in particular is really lighting it up from the corners so that guy could be a real weapon playing off of Brunson and Randall and all of a sudden if you have a third guy that defenses can't completely sag off to help off Brunson to help off Randall that completely revolutionizes your offense so I think that they could get past the Cleveland Cavaliers in that scenario. I, I should note for the Cavs when we were talking about um, last week that we'd want them over the Sixers. Like the Cavs have been playing exceptionally well, but they have the NBA's best net rating over the last 10 games, even though the Bucs have won like what is it, like 10, 11 games in a row now. Um, the Cavs have been crazy, crazy good at late. So that would be a really tough series. But I just think from a talent perspective, if you get that version of RJ, that's winnable for the Knicks. And then I, I still think they lose to the Celtics, even if everything was clicking, probably in like six games. Unless Jason Tatum got hurt, you're talking best case scenario where you also have injury luck on your side. I mean, you could obviously you could talk yourself into going all the way to the finals, but I, I would say like maybe they get one lucky injury. They get by one of Boston and Milwaukee, but not both. But I, I think they could take Boston to six probably in a second round series with, with everything going right. Yeah, and which is totally fine. And, you know, I think even 
I think it I think it speaks to the current team, even with RJ not necessarily playing at his best all the time, that they still, since the rotation got shortened down, have been playing at like a 50 win pace roughly for the last like three months now. Um, so, I mean, it, it, things look pretty good that like if he would turn it around, that they would suddenly become like a real player, you know, and maybe again, you know, that it, it would be tough odds against them, but they they might have it in them to win a first round series and maybe even a second round series if things really broke right. But it would, I'm with you. Like it wouldn't be like an, a walk in the park, but they could definitely make like a Cinderella run, I think, and do one of those like sort of like it would have to ultimately end up feeling a lot like the Hawks run when they beat the Knicks a couple years ago and then beat the Sixers where things just kind of broke the right way for them. Uh, and then they lost in the, the conference finals and, you know, that might end up being the Knicks fate if things would go that way. But, you know, it's like, hopefully they would be a little more sustainable than the Hawks <laughs> and not completely fall apart two years later. But yeah, I, I could see that happening. I don't know. Maybe it's worth betting on who's to say. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm with you there. And, and if you are going to bet on it, well, I mean, why not, why not do it at the, uh, the best place to bet in uh, the whole wide sporting world as the midway point of the NBA season is here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one. That's right, their number one sports book because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Alex, you you were into that last one last night. You, you did put some money down on some threes being drained. Yeah, it wasn't the best bet ever. I bet on Julius Randle to win the the three-point contest, parlayed with uh, Team Giannis to win the skills competition. I put like $5 down. It would have paid out huge if they had won, but ultimately, no such luck for me. It was my, my uncut gems bet went unfulfilled. But I did it on FanDuel, and that's always my favorite place because they've got the most fun uh, odds and things to bet on. If you ever question Alex's loyalty to the Knicks, you can't do it anymore because he trusted Julius Randle to win the three-point contest. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay, so don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And with that, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Uh... We are wondering, uh, and by we, I mean our good friend Jared Talbot at Jared Talbot 5, with the Knicks changing Wildcat allegiances from UK to Nova, so University of Kentucky to Villanova, do you think it's more likely they trade for Bridges or Towns? Would you, what, oh, excuse me, what would you offer for Bridges or to get into the top eight for Cam Whitmore? Bonus is Jay right now the future coach instead of Coach Cal. So, Alex, I don't know about you, my my mind um, immediately um, focused on the bridges aspect of this and that trade, because to me, like he is just such a perfect fit for this current group of Knicks. Like, like the trade, like I'll, I'll just throw it out there and you, you can tell me if I'm crazy for it, but maybe RJ and either a Knicks top five protected first, or like maybe three of like the sort of like fake first the Knicks have that are all, um, well, I shouldn't say fake first, but like fairly well protected first that the Knicks have from the Wizards, Pistons, Bucks, some kind of deal like that. Um, because Bridges is kind of everything RJ isn't in terms of fitting in with the team. He's an elite shooter. He's one of the 
six or so best defenders in all of basketball, flat out one of the maybe like two or three best wing defenders in all of basketball, um, has 12 feet long arms, um, can score out of isolation more efficiently than RJ can. He's four years older. So if, if you're Brooklyn, maybe, maybe that trade makes sense and that you're trading for some upside. But for the Knicks, I mean, I'm just looking at down the barrel of a lineup of Brunson, Grimes, uh, Bridges, Randall, and Mitch. And I, I'm saying that's you, you somehow have a top three, four defensive team that is probably also a top eight offense. And that, that kind of screams like, if not title contender, like certainly a notch above where the Knicks are now. Yeah. And you also, I mean, if you end up with that roster, you also have a world where you could throw out a lineup of quickly Grimes, Hart, Bridges, and Mitch, which would be like just an absolutely insanely hard to score on lineup if you just needed to stop at some point. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of, I would maybe go a slightly different direction if I was going to trade for Bridges. I might shoot for Grimes plus like a couple picks or something uh, to see if they would bite on that instead of using RJ. I just feel like from an optics perspective, RJ would be better served being used as like the centerpiece of a bigger star trade, you know, like, like to go for like the actual, like, 1A star that we still feel like the Knicks would need, I think, after making that deal. Or maybe you don't think they would still need that. I don't know. I, I think that if they were going to try to turn this into like a true title contender, they would have to kind of keep some powder dry to make that sort of move, um, even if they got bridges. But, yeah, I mean, I he's definitely the guy I would go for over Towns. There's no, no doubt in my mind about that. And it doesn't have anything to do with Kentucky versus Villanova. It just has to do with – I don't want Carl Towns. <laughs> you know, I just don't think I don't think that he's a player that the way that he plays at the position that he plays at I, just does not do much for me. Like he's mostly all offense. And granted, he is an extremely talented offensive player, pretty decent rebounder in his own right, but just really not good at defense. And you just I just don't think you can have that out of the center spot. Um, personally, if it were me. I might not trade for either of them unless the price was super right for Macau Bridges. I would probably just save save up to see if Embiid becomes available, especially if the Sixers flame out this year and and then James Harden bolts for Houston for whatever weird reason. Uh, I think that would that would pretty much open the door for Embiid asking for a trade, in which case the Knicks should just kind of hop in on that. But yeah, I mean, if they can make the price work. I would definitely go for Mikal Bridges because he just kind of fits on every team. Like he's low maintenance. He could shoot the three. He could put the ball on the floor. He's sort of like a more actualized version of Quentin Grimes, but also longer. You know, he's like, like prime Quentin Grimes plus a couple inches of height and like half a foot in wingspan, uh, which is a pretty damn good combination to have. Uh, as far as the, the uh, Jay Wright and Cal Perry thing, I don't think Cal Perry was ever going to open himself up to being coach of the Knicks or coaching in the NBA. Uh, Cause he's like a God at Kentucky. So why would he ever possibly leave that situation? Uh, as far as Jay Wright, maybe they give him a look, especially, I mean, if they, if they would make a deal for bridges and literally have three of the players that were on that Villanova championship team uh, on their roster and Brunson bridges and Hart then maybe it's like, okay, yeah, I guess get a coach that knows them all super well and knows how to utilize them in a championship setting. Uh, but I I still get the feeling that Johnny Bryant is kind of like the 
the game plan for after Tibbs because otherwise why would they have hired him, given him the associate head coach title, invested all this time and energy into him? Why wouldn't Johnny Bryant have gone? I mean, he's he's interviewed for a number of other head coaching gigs. He hasn't gotten any yet, but like they're going to eventually lose him at some point to some team and they'd probably rather just give him the shot themselves. But I guess we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that part, Gavin, but that, that part, I don't think either of those guys would end up being coach of the Knicks. Yeah. I want to, I want to circle back to the Carl Anthony Towns thing, because it, isn't it kind of crazy that if, if I told you this preseason, like it, it would have blown your mind that I think the Timberwolves at this point would trade towns for Julius Randall straight up like without even thinking about it for a second, right? Because Randall has shown that he can fit next to a Rudy Gobert like player in Mitchell Robinson. Um, and obviously Towns like has some of that same skill set offensively and is actually like a far better three-point shooter than Randall is. Like he could be argued like he, he's behind Dirk for, I mean, Dirk's a power forward, but Towns is like clear cut the best three-point shooting center of all time. But then him and Gobert make no sense defensively where Randall, at least when he's playing at his hardest, like gives you that flexibility. If I were Minnesota, I would do that trade in a millisecond. And now if you're the Knicks, like you would probably not do that trade, even even if Towns has more upside as an offensive player and is certainly more efficient than Randall is. But defensively, like you, you wouldn't really want to sit there and pair him and Mitch together. And then you really wouldn't want a world defensively where Cats are starting center, right? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, why would you want to essentially build a a worse I mean, this isn't a knock on Mitch, but I still think Gobert is, is better than him at this point in their respective careers. Like, why would you want to just build a worse version of the Timberwolves right now? That I mean, I won't go so far as to say is it's like outright not working, but I still don't I don't love that pairing on paper or in actuality. And it seems like even their own team is sort of like wishy-washy on if it's working or not you know like then it, there's even been like public comments from like anthony edwards you know well, they're, they're the 15 and 8 since towns got hurt like the like the results mm -hmm. are there they sucked mm -hmm. when cap played and they're a pretty good team without this alleged all nba talent yeah exactly i mean he he puts up the numbers he's sort of like i i, I can't even think of like a great analogy are you to say forward westbrook is it? I, forward westbrook or almost like a like a taller mellow sort of, yeah. you know, like where you question his, his overall impact to winning sometimes because of the defense, even though he's like a sublimely talented offensive player. Um, I, I just is, think he, need, he needs the perfect team around him. Like kind of like mellow where mellow got it for that one year on the Knicks and it all, it all kind of came together. Um, but outside of that, like really struggled when he didn't have kind of that perfect tailor-made supporting cast. Yeah. I don't even know if that perfect, cast exists either like what would it even have to like because i feel like you can't play him at power forward period like i just don't i didn't think that was going to work going into this year and it's obvious that it doesn't because he can't stay in front of fours he can't even stay in front of fives most of the time yeah so i think like, you, you need like jaron jackson jr probably like someone who's like hyper flexible on defense can also protect the rim and can yeah. play inside outside an offense yeah and like and can really make up for him being not good on defense and you'd have to have essentially like every player other than him on the floor would have to be like a plus plus defender. Like, yeah. but also somehow have guys that are also like plus plus offense options for if things aren't working with him any given night, it's just, yeah. he's, he's a very difficult player to build around. I it's think. kind of what's crazy about Minnesota this year is that they're really, when, when he's played, they've been elite on defense and they have not been good on offense. So may, maybe they figure that out now post injury, but he's just such a tricky piece to fit in. And, and like to answer like 
I, I didn't even do it. Like to answer the initial part of this question, like I think I still think it's more realistic they trade for Cat than Bridges, just because um, I don't see the Knicks and Nets trading like key pieces. Like I I, I don't think that's going to be a thing that happens. Maybe maybe I'll be shocked, but I, I don't. I don't really want him on the Knicks. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you, which is crazy because the guy, like I'll say it one more time is like about as talented offensively as any big man, like we've had in the modern NBA, like, like Embiid and Jokic are on another level. But outside of that, like he, he is like maybe just a notch below that stratosphere on offense. Yeah. I mean, and he's one of the best big man shooters ever. Like yeah. maybe, maybe we'll go down despite all of his flaws as the best big man shooter ever. I guess we'll see when everything shakes down but yeah it's uh i don't know it's it, it's it's tricky because there's also i mean i want to want to bring him in you know what i mean like i because he's a local kid like i think he grew up rooting for the knicks he's like from new jersey like just across from the city like on paper it's got all the makings of like one of those coming home storylines but i just don't really want it to happen because i just don't like how he plays basketball at all and i i I'm really curious, like if if Minnesota does like after this year or something, decide, hey, let's make this guy available. I'll be extremely curious to see what the trade package ends up being and what team winds up pulling the trigger. Because again, it's a, I, the only team I could maybe see where I would be like, okay, maybe I could start to put together a version where this would work. Would be like if OKC pulled the trigger or something because they just kind of are like into the super super long like defensively minded guys so like maybe that's like the move to try to build a team around him but even with that it's just it's bizarre i don't know if i can see it work but um gavin i think we should take our our final break here and then we'll get into a few more questions a little little potpourri to end things off here and end this uh this section of the mailbag though we should say if anyone still has questions feel free to hit us up on twitter youtube comments whatever and we'll make sure to answer them before the end of the week but uh We'll take our second break and then be right back to finish answering the questions for today. All right. And we're back to finish answering the mailbag questions that we have right now. Uh, this one comes from our buddy, Yoram Lakaj at Lakaj on Twitter. Uh, Yoram says, hi there. Hey there, Yoram. Uh, two open roster spots. What are the Knicks going to do? Pick up a young available project, maybe Bill Morrow, who was just waived, or get in a Tibbs voice. I can't do a Tibbs voice. So we'll just say, quote unquote, Tibbs voice. Good players, a.k.a. washed up vets. Thanks. <laughs> Gavin, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, that was all I can do is ice, ice, yeah. ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. we, really, we really just need some good players. I don't yeah. know. We need some guys. Maybe I am better at doing Yeah, that was, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you, you've hit more pu- puberty more thoroughly than me. So you can get a little good, <laughs> good players. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's, I don't know if it's more Batman or Tibbs, but yeah, anyway. you're coming in very Christian Bale Batman. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's, I mean, I, we don't know what Tibbs does after games. So where's the rim protection? Where <laughs> is it? <laughs> That would have been that would have been good if he showed up on Halloween. Like I, I, I even he'd be he'd be a good penguin, honestly. Um, <laughs> he would. He's yeah. he's he bears a very good resemblance to the penguin. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. So first guy I thought of was was mellow just for vibes, but that's I don't know. There's probably like a distraction component there that's not good. And like I could, I could just see mellow like dropping like like the Knicks are down three one to the Cavs or something, and he just drops a quote to uh to Mark Berman who's retired in Florida that says. I don't know. I think if I was playing, like maybe, maybe things would be different. Um, so maybe, so maybe we can uh, dream that one up and then scratch it off just as quickly. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take yours, but you, you have one that I, I really agree with who I like a lot. And then just one, one other name I'll throw out there is, uh, is Greg Brown. 
um, who was a first round pick. I think it was two years ago now. I think it was 2021, um, who was just like an all time athlete coming out of the University of Texas, but just couldn't really do anything else. Like it seems like Texas has a has a tendency to, to recruit those kind of wings. They have uh, Dylan Mitchell out of Montverde now, who was preseason uh, projected top 10 pick on some mock drafts. And like, I, I kind of just box score watch him and he hasn't really done a whole lot, but Brown is just, I mean, he, he was in the dunk contest. I think his rookie year, like just an incredible athlete had some pretty decent games for Portland, like particularly from a rebounding perspective, like just doesn't really seem to be there from like a skill level yet in the NBA. So maybe he's someone who does like a PJ Chucker and goes to Europe for five years and then comes back. But if the Knicks kind of want to like, covertly like staff someone on the end of their bench and give them a ton of time in Westchester and hope they find a diamond in the rough. Like he, he was someone just going through the list of free agents that struck me a little bit. Yeah. I think uh, uh, in a similar vein, I'm, I'm with Yerum. Like I do like the idea of Leandro Balmaro. Uh, technically it would be sort of a full circle moment because he was in the 2020 draft when the Knicks uh, traded up with utah and then traded back and got the pick for quickly and the the pick uh in the second round that they ultimately wound up uh trading away that they sort of like did that thing where they netted like eight total draft spots with while doing absolutely nothing (laughs) like by just making two trades um bomaro was like the casualty there they had initially traded up to 23 and then they traded his rights to the t-wolves to eventually get the 25th pick that they took quickly with and that other second round pick that they wound up trading, I think to the Clippers uh, who took, I think it was Oturu with that pick, but um, so it'd be kind of interesting to bring Bomaro to the Knicks. Then I, I thought he was interesting going into that draft. Like he's, he's Argentinian. He, you know, he has that sort of like, like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, just like the Argentinian dudes all play a certain way. Like they just, they move the ball. They all seem like they could shoot a bit, handle the ball a bit. You know, it's just like their brand of basketball. And uh, so, you know, I, I do like how he plays. And he had some pretty impressive uh, highlights and stuff for when he was playing in Europe before he got drafted to the NBA. Has not really done anything in the NBA since he came over, like probably for lack of opportunity. I, I think same deal. I would basically just assign him to Westchester. Like sign him. If you want to sign him to a full deal, fine. But assign him to Westchester, get him some reps there and see if you can kind of develop him. Because honestly, I think that if I was prioritizing what to use those final two spots on at this point, like you already have a guy waiting in the wings who's not even in the rotation anymore in Deuce who was in the rotation and was playing really well. So, you know, maybe the shots weren't falling, but he was making big impacts. So, like, you don't really need to necessarily go after someone to like insert into the rotation like because i think the rotation's already set so why not just take some flyer guys uh another guy the guy that you were referencing that i would go after would be moses brown who just got waved by the clippers uh i would i mean i like him a lot he's had some like really weirdly huge statistical games uh over the last few years as like a reserve and uh he's he's a big dude he's he's seven foot two uh, i think you noted here almost like a seven foot four wingspan so he kind of fits the profile of like a mitchell robinson light sort of you know like a guy that you could potentially develop and he's still very young i think he's only like 23 years old um same thing with balmaro only 22 so like i think i would go for those sort of guys like you don't necessarily need to go for like a mellow or something or, or someone that you think is gonna like come in and contribute because I just don't, I think the Knicks have already sort of demonstrated they have depth at pretty much every position to absorb an injury. 
at this point. You know, they even with Mitch, where you thought like, man, that's going to really mess them up because I don't know if Hartenstein and and uh, Sims can hold it down. They've done pretty well. I mean, in in lieu of Mitch, and they're going to do fine once he gets back. So, you know, why not get a young guy that can have some room to grow, like a Moses Brown? Uh, I will say, if they did want to go the direction of going for a veteran, Serge Ibaka, I don't think he's made a decision yet. They were allegedly interested in him before the trade deadline. Hmm. Um, when the when it was announced, like the Bucks were going to find him a new home, it was like the Knicks came up almost right away as like a team that would potentially be interested. I think he's probably pretty washed at this point, but I guess why not? You know, it's, he he in theory provides a little bit of spacing, um, but probably only as much in theory as like Hardenstein does, which is not a ton. Uh, used to be a great rim protector. I don't think he's really there anymore, but he can still rebound the ball. So I guess he sort of fits what Tibbs would like, but I would rather take the swing on a younger guy like a Moses Brown than go for an Ibaka like any day of the week. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. And I'm, uh, Mo- Moses Brown was the guy that I I was also all in on. He's kind of kind of a modern uh, Earl Barron, a former Knicks legend who will just every once in a while, like you'll be box score watching and be like, wait, did he have 34 and 12 and six blocks last night? Well, pretty good. Um, but also got uh, weirdly got cut from like Oklahoma City, which strikes me as a bad sign because they are they're all about collecting young guys with upsides. All right, Alex, this one is going to be super fun for both of us. It comes from Bugsy Sig at Bugsy Sig, and he wants to know if the next season were an MCU movie, which one would it be? All right, so I am, I, I like your choice a lot too, but I went Spider-Man Homecoming here, um, mainly because of the main components, not an ensemble cast, so it was like a little hard to to find comparisons for everyone, but I, I think Jalen uh, Brunson's kind of coming out party in last season's playoffs was very similar to Spider-Man in um, Avengers Civil War, where he just had the one uh, cameo scene in the the airplane hangar fight, but but was kind of just like came on and was like immediately dominant. Like like he's just um, catching punches from Winter Soldier and just kind of marveling. Oh, dude, you got a metal arm. Like and it's just like it becomes abundantly clear. Like, all right, this guy's like as strong or stronger than almost everyone on the battlefield. And that's kind of what we saw from Brunson in the playoffs last year. Um, and then Brunson kind of ascended to new heights this season, given a full-time job, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, uh, ascended to new heights in that movie as kind of a, a not quite a full-time Avenger yet, but, uh, a full-time hero learning the ropes and accomplishing stuff. Um, and then this part isn't a perfect analogy, but I think there's a decent comparison to be made between Julius Randle and Tony Stark in that Tony Stark, like kind of like rose from not from obscurity, but like a reputation is like a selfish, like nominal arms dealer. Um, to to a world saving hero by the time of the first Avengers movie, uh, Julius Randall kind of rose out of like all right role player but sort of empty stats into becoming an all star. Um, then the fall for Tony Stark that was uh, inventing uh, Ultron and nearly destroying the world, which uh, people don't really talk about enough that he did for Julius Randall. Um, that was last season, which was just terrible. And they both sort of bounced back Randall this year with the all star birth um, and uh, Tony Stark by becoming a father figure in this movie to a young. Peter Parker. And then I just wrote down as my final note, Josh Hart equal Ned. Uh, I'm not going to explain that any further. That's just, that's just where my head went. So I think this year's Knicks, if I was going to make them an MCU movie, were guardians of the galaxy. Uh, so my, my rationale, it's a ragtag bunch. They come together. They become a family. They save the world. Uh, you know, there was obviously some guys that were already on the team prior to this year that knew each other. So I guess you could say that like, Ob and IQ are like Rocket and Groot or something. Like they're like the best buds that were already together before things started. Um, you know, I don't know if uh, 
Randall is Peter Quill and Brunson is Gamora or something. I don't, I don't know how you want to, however you want to, you know, lay that out. It's not perfectly analogous because it's tough to do that, but uh, there were no expectations for them both in the movie and out, out in the real world, uh, you know, in the, the actual, you know, movie going public. Uh, nobody really knew what to expect out of that movie. I feel like nobody really knew what to expect out of the Knicks this year. You know, the reputation of the actors and stuff involved were good, uh, but nobody quite knew like how it was all going to fit together, especially with a lesser known property like Guardians. And yet it was a surprise hit took everybody by storm and did a lot to set the table for the MCU at large. This was like the first time that you, uh, you saw Thanos in a movie like for real. Mm. Um, and you saw Ronan who was sort of like a, a stripped down one fifth version of Thanos with one infinity stone and just how much damage he could do. Uh, so you got sort of a taste of what was to come. As far as the rest of the MCU, I think this year's Knicks team is giving us a taste of what could be to come in the future, especially if they decide to make a big star trade and create their own Avengers uh, someday. Uh, I guess we'll see. So that would be like their version of Infinity War or Endgame or something. I don't know who their Thanos Thanos will end up being, if it's the Celtics or what. But uh, again, not a perfect analogy, but I think based off the the lack of expectations and then the amount that the movie completely won everybody over with how fun and awesome it was. I, I think guardians is my analogy there. Uh, we got two last really quick questions, but one is from that. Not ones we're going to spend a ton of time on to be completely <laughs> honest, but first one comes from our, our old buddy, James Barcita, former host of locked on Knicks to piggyback on the, the previous question. Uh, he goes by at the Irishman. He, he on Twitter these days, how much would you cry if they announced they'd never make another MCU movie again? I'd be pretty sad. Gavin, I don't know if you've seen Ant-Man yet, but I'm of the opinion that it is a return to form for the MCU. And I liked it quite a bit, despite what all the stupid reviewers are saying. Uh, so I'm excited for what's still to come with the MCU movies. And I will still continue consuming them and the TV shows. So I would be pretty upset as an avid MCU guy if, if uh, they just suddenly shut it down tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I might, I might cry, James. I might cry um, because I, I don't. I want. I just want to see how it all comes together at this point because um, this, this kind of round of movies has been, uh, this phase, I should say, has been marked um, by not a lot of continuity, not a lot of cohesion, like not really to, to use some Clydeisms. Like they're, they're, they're still figuring out the picture. Maybe, maybe Ant Man, Alex, you'd know this. I wouldn't. I haven't seen it yet. Um, points us in a direction there, but I, I'd like to see where it goes um, before um, it gets shut down. And then uh, we got a final question from uh, Mimar Sanan, a.k.a. the Stormbringer, a.k.a. your old pal at Mimar Sanan Music, who made the theme song uh, for Locked On Knicks. So as always, we, we, we don't do it enough, but shout out Mimar. He's absolutely fantastic. So, so good to us. And he wants to know why is Reggie Miller given uh, press credentials? Alex, I don't know. Do you know? I think it's just because he's an annoying jabroni and those types are perfect for TV. That's exactly what I wrote. I don't know. He's he's an annoying loser. That's it. That's that's all that Reggie Miller's got going for him. And he's a former player, so that helps too. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm not a big Reggie Miller fan. Neither should any Knicks fan be, because he's he's generally not very uh, very nice in his Knicks coverage. But you know, he's fine. Whatever. I don't know. He's just a lot of annoying people are on TV, including him. Yeah, he's just like 
like white noise to me. Like not even like I, I don't even like dislike him, but like I almost I rarely notice that he's there when he's doing color commentary on a game. That's that's all I can say about Reggie Miller. Um, and that is it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I remember if you want to ask a mailbag question but didn't get it in, uh, we we will always take them. We will always get to them at some point in the future. So please start us a question on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, or in our uh, Twitter DMs. Until next time, he's out. Gavin, we'll talk to you soon. I'm Locked On Knicks. Peace out.